Welcome to Ask a Wayfinder, an advice and mindfulness podcast for all those who are seeking, those who are stuck, and everyone in between. I'm your host, Dana Wheelis. I'm a meditation teacher and life coach in Central Virginia, and I'm here today with a letter that I think will resonate with a lot of you. It's about how to manage these busy lives we lead and how to find a balance between professional success and personal time. Here's our letter. Dear Wayfinder, I'd like some guidance about how to manage my time in ways that align with my goals and values. I currently have two jobs, one full-time, one part-time. I'm finishing a graduate degree, and I have a wonderful home life with my partner. With so much going on, I'm finding it hard to make room for everything. Recently, I found myself prioritizing immediate professional deadlines at the expense of my academic work, and especially my partner. I do love my jobs, and I want to succeed at them but I don't want professional success to come at the expense of other parts of my life. Do you have any suggestions for me about how to bring the many parts of my life into better alignment? Signed, Overscheduled. Dear Overscheduled, you are definitely not alone in feeling this way. Your question reminds me of the old saying that uh, between a successful career, a fulfilling social life, and a happy home life, you can only have two of the three. Now, I don't really subscribe to that, Um, As a coach, I always believe that life can be better, but I share it to emphasize that the, the task of managing all three can be a truly daunting one. Now, I personally like thinking about time management and organizational strategies, and it would be really tempting for me to bombard you with all kinds of tips and techniques you could implement to help out with the logistics of your life. But as fun as those are, well, fun to me, they are really temporary scaffolding that can ease the short-term pain, but they don't address the deeper issue you're facing. You are being pulled in several directions, overscheduled, and the competing desires within you are strong enough that you are fast approaching an internal stalemate. With your willpower almost equally divided between the competing interests you face, It takes external factors like deadlines and urgent requests to break through and kickstart your forward momentum. It's an exhausting way to live, and because you are so torn, you can end up feeling like you're not giving any area of your life the attention it deserves. The best way out of situations like this is to check in and really get a sense of your deeper motivations. What is it about the part-time work you like so much? What is it about the longer-term academic work that calls your attention? And of course, there's your partner. I will assume that your interest in that facet of your life is pretty obvious and immediate. However, it would be good to investigate why it is that your dedication to that area of your life is so easily put on hold for other things. What are you getting out of the professional work that feels so immediate that you are inclined to let it take center stage in your life? There are usually some pretty obvious answers. Money is usually at play in situations like this. When we are feeling some kind of scarcity, uh, the work we do can provide us financial rewards um, for our attention. Sometimes we feel like we aren't contributing enough to the world in general. So in addition to the money, we get validation that we as people are doing something worthwhile and that people depend upon us, we are valuable, and we are then given very concrete evidence of that value. It's addictive. Money is a very real concern in this world, and I'm never gonna say otherwise, but I do encourage all of my clients to look very closely at what money represents for them 
and why it motivates them. Inevitably, we get to the I don't want to end up as a bag lady conversation. Uh, but what can be very interesting to learn are the emotional and psychological reasons we don't want to end up destitute. Poverty is a real thing. But another truth is that feelings always magnify perceived threats. So it's important for us to look deeply into our motivations, either toward or away from something, to find out what's really driving us. The exercise I'd like to walk you through today, overscheduled, comes from my teacher, Martha Beck. You might be interested in her book, Finding Your North Star, which is an excellent guide to tuning in to what you want in your life, a process which makes it a lot easier to prune out the stuff you don't want. Our minds are brilliant things. They thrive in complications, in strategies, in weighing this or that, or dreaming up a thousand different pathways, both wonderful and terrifying, that are possible. I see that you are engaged in academic work, so I suspect this is doubly true for you. You put that beautiful mind of yours to work each and every day, and you depend upon it for guidance. Here's the rub, though. Without some kind of grounding in emotion and the deeper wisdom of the body, the mind can run itself in circles. There's an old Buddhist saying, the mind is a wonderful follower, but a terrible master. If we are stuck in purely mental and intellectual ways of living in the world, and we also haven't looked deeply at the emotional issues that are secretly motivating our decisions, we can find ourselves completely stuck in the personal and professional equivalent of the doldrums, that famous part of the ocean where the forces of wind and water are so at odds that ships navigating through it get stuck um, in complete and utter stagnation. Okay. With that said, it's time to dig in and learn a bit more about yourself and your work. I want you to find a place where you won't be disturbed for a little while and take a notebook and pen with you. And for all you podcast listeners who listen while driving or are engaged in other activities, remember to come back and do these meditative exercises later when you can concentrate and you won't be at the risk of running off the road. So. Once you're in your comfortable seat in a quiet space with pen and paper, I want you to select one aspect of your life that needs more room. Just start with whichever one comes up first. Once you've selected it, close your eyes and imagine yourself engaging in that area of your life. Really make it vivid. Imagine all the details, what you're wearing, where you are, who you're with. Make it as real as you can. And with that situation in mind, I want you to start to tune into your body and see how it feels. How do your shoulders feel when you imagine yourself here? How does your chest feel? Try to focus on sensation words, heavy, light, hot, cold, dense, numb, you name it. What do you feel and where do you feel it? Once you've tracked down a sensation, Write it down in your notebook. Sit with this for as long as you can. I don't know if this is true for you, overscheduled, but others doing this exercise, might need, they might need to take a little break from time to time if the sensations get too uncomfortable or powerful. When we find ourselves doing jobs we hate, this particular exercise can be hard to do. It is important work, though, because the more you deny the reality of your life, the longer you will suffer. 
Once you have spent a good 10 minutes or more tracking the sensations of the first area of your life you want to focus on, go ahead and repeat the process for all the rest of the parts of your life that are pulling you in different directions. Sit with them, imagine yourself engaged in them vividly, and then write down how they feel in your body. You might be surprised by what comes up. And you might have stories and emotions and should statements that arise while you're doing this. Just let them be, but keep coming back to your body and the sensory information it provides. After you've created a physical and emotional portrait for each area of your life, I want you to note which ones felt good. When did you feel most relaxed? When did you feel joy or flow or lightness or warmth or any of the things that were pleasurable to you? Those are the things you want more of in your life. Your practice now is to arrange your life so that you get more and more of what feels good. Of course, there are also the things that don't feel good. Now, you might be telling yourself that they are just a part of life, that we just have to deal with them, grin and bear it, push on through. Nevertheless, I am going to ask you to question those beliefs. What can you do in your life to make those things less frequent and less uncomfortable? Are there people who can help you with them? Are there things that don't actually have to be done? Are there other things that you can bring into the more negative experiences to make them feel better? Sometimes just allowing myself to have a smoothie or a fun pen or good music while I work on my least favorite projects can make all the difference in the world. It gives me something to look forward to. For the next week, go through your to-do list and feel into each item. How does it feel in your body? If it feels good, then I recommend you prioritize it. If it feels heavy or draining, or if you feel resistance to it at all, ask yourself how you can make it better, or if you can drop it from the list altogether. Self-care isn't just about scented candles and bubble baths. It's the constant practice of being true to ourselves and our needs. As long as you aren't actually physically hurting someone in the process of following your joy, you are not being selfish. You are being what uh, the teacher Ian Van Zant calls self-full. A self-full person knows themselves and accepts themselves and makes decisions based on what is right for them. And in doing so, they become more kind, more compassionate, and more flexible because they're not being driven by some hidden grasping motivation that they have ignored for years. They aren't trying to be someone they aren't. I know, I know, our culture does not celebrate this way of life. But I invite you to try it out. See how good it can get. Thanks to all of y'all for joining me today for another episode of Ask a Wayfinder. I'm Dana Wheelis, and you can learn more about my work as a coach and meditation teacher at my website, DearHawkHealing.com. That's deer as in the animal, hawk as in the bird, healing.com. All one word. There's a contact form there on the website where you can submit your own question, 
or you can email it to me at Dana at DeerHawkHealing.com. Send me questions or feedback about this week's episode if you like, or perhaps if you'd like to work with me one-on-one. Helping clients tune their joy compass is one of my favorite things to do. So if you are wrestling with issues similar to overscheduled, reach out. I'd love to hear from you. My thanks also to Teach.fm, the podcast network supported by University of Virginia's own radio station, WTJU, for their support of this podcast. I just want to remind you all to be kind to yourselves. You deserve it.